0: Bah, bah,
1: bah.
0: Mm. All right. Uh thanks everyone for tuning in to another episode of K and Friends. I have an extremely wonderfully special guest today named faran Uh also AKA goes by Mr. Rahramani or uh, Professor Rahramani. <laughs> um thank you for joining us today yes my pleasure yeah Uh, would you like to introduce our topic for today
1: sure we said we'll talk about hunting
0: that's it yeah so i think that's something that not a lot of us are really uh, exposed to or know a lot about so i thought it'd be really cool to have you on and and talk about what how maybe how you got into it and like sort of what it means to you and and sort of that sort of thing so let's start with that first question How, how did you originally get into that
1: uh I think I always kind of wanted to do it, um, but the opportunity never really came up. But then, um, well, I mean, it's, it just sounded, pre- I don't know when was like the first time I really like thought about actually wanting to do it. Mm-hmm. I watched, I watched um, Deer Hunter. Have you seen that? The old, the movie with um, yes. Yes. the old school one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is, yeah. Crazy movie, by the way. But anyways, that was, I really liked that, like, I don't know, atmospheric kind of experience of being up in the mountains and like chasing around an animal kind of seemed like something i wanted to do but anyways um but i married bonnie and her family are into hunting Mm -hmm. and i think for the first couple of years i didn't even though i kind of wanted to i didn't really say much i mean if you haven't done it it can seem pretty daunting it's like oh what does it involve or like what do you need and now in canada you need like licenses and so on um but i think the first time i just tagged along with bonnie's dad on one of his hunts and that was my first i guess you're you're more just
0: watching watching and experiencing sort of third person style
1: yeah yeah just going around just learning about yeah i didn't have any responsibility like i didn't have any training or didn't get my didn't have any of my um licenses or anything i just kind of tagged along probably right Mm -hmm. well
0: maybe you borrowed gear i guess
1: not really like we did it um it wasn't we didn't do a lot of hiking so the hunting that mostly i guess that hunting it was mostly getting like a four by four and you go up um old logging roads and you kind of look around until you see a deer
0: So why don't you walk us through your first experience, what you were feeling, what emotions were there, what sort of smells and sights and sounds you were kind of experiencing so that as if like the people can sort of be with you on this journey, maybe like the first couple, first two, three times that you went, what were sort of like the the thoughts and emotions you had going on?
1: Yeah. This was, yeah, it was a long time ago. It's like six years ago, I think, or more, maybe seven, Mm -hmm. but um. First time I remember, okay, the first time I remember, actually, so I'll tell you, so we had, he had a tag for a, um, mule deer doe, so like a female mule deer, which is kind of rare for most of BC, but where they're from, it's like the more common type of deer, so there's mostly two types of deer in BC, there's the whitetail and the mule deer, a mule deer, yeah, like
0: Bambi, Bambi was a whitetail, Bambi was a whitetail, yeah, yeah,
1: And then mule mule deer sometimes called blacktail also. There's, like, another variation of it on the island. But anyway, so where they are, there's lots of mule deer, usually sim around town even. Um, And there's usually a lot of does and fawns. So it's, like, pretty common. So if you go up the mountains, like, to go hunting, normally in, like, one trip, if, like, on average, we probably see around a dozen just does and fawns. Do you you fawn over them? Uh, yeah, they're kind of cute looking. It's nice to look at though.
0: <laughs> okay. uh, I like to throw in puns every once in a while. It's now. good, yeah.
1: <laughs> you should put your hand up next to the little thing here. <laughs> or oh, wow. There should be a pawn hand. <laughs> Pun hand, yeah. Pun hand. Um, but yeah. Anyways, but that trip, I remember there was like, we went for, I don't know if we even like went the first day and didn't see anything at all. It was very odd to not see like any deer. That's kind of what I find, too. Like, if you have a tag for something, you right. ever, you can't find that animal. But, like, or, like, the season's not open. So, you see them everywhere. But the, the day that you want to see them, they're never out there.
0: I'm sorry, explain a little bit about this tag process. What, what does that involve?
1: Yeah. So, if you want to hunt, you need to get a thing called your core, which is, like, a hunting. You have to, like, take a hunting course or study it and mm-hmm. take, like, a test. Um, and so you get like a hunting license. You get like a government issued ID number essentially that
0: right. you
1: can use later on to purchase, um, what they call like a species license. So like, so I think every hunting season you, you buy a new hunting license. You can call it, they're all called licenses. It's very confusing, okay. but then with, once you purchase that. Actually, they might have changed it. As of two years ago, they like changed the system, so you do a lot of it online. But anyways, right. and then you, but then you, you get this other thing, other license, which most people kind of call a tag. Okay. And that's um, for for the particular animal that you want. So if you okay. want to get a mule deer, you get a mule deer tag. And you and have so the you're option of...
0: only given permission to hunt that one particular item, or sorry, one particular species or type of animal, and it doesn't allow you to just freely kill whatever's in your line of sight, kind of thing.
1: Right. So then, yeah. So but there, so there's this aspect of it, and then there's like there's all these hunting regulations, which is which gets updated every two years or so. So as part of your core or your like hunt your initial hunting license, you kind of have to familiarize yourself with the system and learn how to read the regulations and understand yeah what animals are appropriate to hunt at this time and not so like and then all of bc is like divided into these regions and then you have to know where you'll be hunting and know all the regulations for that area mm-hmm. and depending on the area there's there's different regulations so you can hunt this animal from this time of year to this time of year some animals so, yeah. you need to get a tag for some of them you don't need it Okay, yeah, so you kind of you should know that stuff, but you, most people, I guess hunt deer, and usually deer you hunt in in the fall, which is right before uh, the rut where where they mate
0: I see and so and so obviously these these licenses that you have doesn't really give you permission to go and like just like like kill off tons and tons of them. You kind of you're hunting within like with moderation, with reason and with sort of with respect in a way. like there's limits and stuff on how. Many you can sort of haul in and stuff like that, right,
1: yeah, so there's a bag limit for um pretty much all species sometimes some animals are there's no bag limits, like mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe like coyote, coyotes you can just kind of if if in your region they're open, then you can you can i think shoot coyotes all year round apart from a month or two in the summer
0: right but is the that, other animals I'm, I'm hmm. Sorry, so i was gonna say is that's because some of them are considered sort of more pest uh, animals and then they, they yeah populated for those reasons and then they need to sort of uh what is it called a culling is it culling the herd or thinning the,
1: yeah the... i think culling is a little bit different like that's yeah when you, when there's like a herd there's like overpopulation you go and call animals i think these ones are called varmint so like
0: varmint yeah okay
1: yeah varmints are like trouble like um yeah like coyotes, I think, are conserved varmint. but I don't know if they refer to them with that term in the regulations. They're just one of those animals. I guess technically, quote unquote, you're hunting them, but very few people hunt them to eat. Yeah, some people it... get their uh, pelt, but a lot of mostly it's like farmers. you know what? I was pretty against hunting coyotes. I kind of was like, oh, what if? like, it's kind of nice having coyotes around. They kind of sound cool when they're all howling at night or if they're kind of minding their own business, it's fine.
0: Yeah. Until
1: actually, this year, I saw that they had. So what they do a lot of times there's they do. They're pretty like tricky, you know. Like they kill all these animals different ways, but they run deer into fences so the, they get stuck in the fence and they kill them there.
0: Oh wow!
1: And this year, I saw one like yeah, just recently died there. Not much of it was left, it was just bones. But you can, like where it was caught in the fence like all its fur was all over the area hmm. and then it was the first time I kind of realized why farmers and hunters sometimes do kill coyotes because well for one their population like hunting is always this there's like a balance in nature that we've like totally upset by like you know um, just a human civilization taking over yeah, their I land. Think- And so, anyways, so there's that aspect of, like, they they can be overly... Some animals will thrive from this imbalance, and some of them won't. And some of hunting is regulated so to bring back this balance.
0: Mm.
1: But um, the other reason is because that... So those coyotes kill the doe. Right. And um, that was, like, in my mind, I realized that that's a a doe that won't be having fawns next year. Don't. you know exactly oh, so it was like the first time i was like i get why hunt, why people are against coyotes because yeah. really because you try to like i guess if, depending on where you hunt hunters can be pretty like not territorial but you kind of like are concerned for the the deer that you have in that area because obviously you like to see deer but also you like to be able to hunt deer so like having a robust deer population is a goal and i guess mm-hmm. having lots of coyotes doesn't really help
0: yeah, because I have some friends who, who either live on or have a farm and they know they, they tell me that they have to pretty much protect their chickens all the time because the sly coyotes are always trying to get them. So they have to like build really tall coops or like really big fences and like, you know, do all these type of security measures to keep their, their livestock basically alive and, and safe so they can, you know, continue to, to thrive or, or whatnot. So I think I totally get how there's rational and and reasonable reasons to do to do that sort of thing as well um one of the questions i kind of had for you is more more not so much the pragmatic stuff but also more uh like how how sort of the feeling and the emotion of the whole thing is like when you're out there and it's like the dead of silence and all you hear is like the noise and you're in touch like tell me a little bit about your sort of how you feel like you're really in touch with nature in those moments
1: Um, yeah there's a lot so i guess depending on the type of hunting you're doing and how long you've been out there all those things can like differ you can have a different experience if you're in like like a four by four and just going up it's still kind of engaging because you're obviously in the woods and like you're you're out there in times that most other people wouldn't really be so it's a lot of hunting is just being out there in you know in the bush and like enjoying nature right but it's kind of, but it's totally different too. Because if you are actually hunting, your like mind kind of goes into this different zone. Because like you're, you're constantly just like looking everywhere, trying to, you know, pinpoint an animal or try to find one. Mm-hmm. And that kind of puts you in a different zone. And if you're doing it for like a few days in a row, like you're not seeing anything, you're not seeing the animal you want, you can really, yeah, like I said, like be in this zone. But I think the hunting I enjoyed the most is when we go when you're hunting on foot. Okay. um which we've been do- like i've been doing more of it recently and my father-in-law and i have been doing more like we hike quite a bit uh these days when we go in and it depends also what you want to hunt like we've been trying to get the big bucks recently like trying to go higher up in the mountains and look for like the older uh male deer mm-hmm. who obviously have like nicer um, racks or like bigger antlers <laughs> but <laughs> but also
0: those who don't know what that means yeah yeah the
1: antlers and it's yeah. but then also they're they're a lot older slash wiser they also come down the mountain a lot later in the in the season so they're and so they're just like a lot harder to hunt so it takes you need to really like step up your game of and also like if a lot of other deer like they you see them you don't really need to be camouflaged or whatever like they they see you. They kind of like stand there looking at you. They're not really wild, quote unquote. You know, whereas some other deer, are quite wild. Like you, as soon as they smell you or see you, they take off. And those are usually the older, more mature, experienced deer.
0: Because I know we both had exper- separate experiences in Japan. I, I think you went to the the place where they had the deer that were pretty much like coming up to you and like letting you pet them and feed them and stuff. They, oh yeah. They- they're mm-hmm. so trusting of people and and they're also in a way dependent on people for their uh, food and stuff so in that way they they become a lot friendlier. but they, you don't normally obviously you wouldn't normally see that in in the wild cuz their sort of self preservation is i guess the first uh first goal i guess for them
1: right here like in a lot of the interior cities or like towns in in bc i think they have something similar to like not as domesticated as the deer or miyajima but mm-hmm. more i think i think they call them like city deer or something they're just roaming around this like they're in people's yards all the time they're definitely not wild at all and even in the area that we hunt i would say so there's there's still like the town deer yeah but then there's like even a little bit less wild bunch that kind of hang around the farmland area Mm -hmm. and they kind of come in and like they they eat off uh, the hay that they're growing, but also they like, I don't know if they're composting stuff. So they are kind of hanging around the farm and they're a lot less wild. They're kind of used to um, humans being around. But then as you go up, yeah, cars Mm -hmm. going by, even like people walking by sometimes, like they might not, you know, run away. Mm -hmm. But then as you go higher up in the mountains, then yeah, I think the deer up there are a bit wilder. And it depends too, depending on the area, like where we hunt, the mule deer tend to be a lot less wild, but the white till are pretty skittish. Like as soon as they see you, they kind of, they run off right away.
0: Right. So, uh, my next question was, uh, walk us through your first kill. If, if I can, if I can put it so bluntly, what, what, what is the, what was that sort of vibe like building up to it? Like the anticipation. And then also what was it like once the, once the deed was done and, and what, how you sort of, um, pay your respects and also process the 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 meat or the the, i don't know what you call it afterwards but yeah yeah do you want to walk us through that little uh experience for of yourself
1: yeah i think it's like evolved through the years um yeah the first experience hunting was i went with Bonnie's dad and we and he got a um a doe and he's a pretty good shot so he he shot it in the head from Uh, not that far away so then it it was like totally dead in an instant so i didn't really like see an animal suffering or whatever it was just like i we got there and it was dead and i kind of helped but mostly just watched him field dress it which is just you open the deer up and you pull the um, the organs out right and then you haul it back i think and then yeah usually we haul it back to the farm and then there we take the skin off and quarter it and hang it for a while a couple of days or you mm. give it to a butcher and they hang it for you for seven or eight days it like makes the meat uh taste better if it's aged a little bit and it drains and, all the
0: blood out, i assume right all the stuff the innards and things kind of uh, so that
1: you that all of that you should do in the field so right when okay. the animal's down depends yeah. like here usually a gunshot is enough to kind of get rid of most of the blood in the system Okay. But some people, I think I was I was also looking up, see, over the years, I try to, like, adapt my practice of hunting to, like, be more conscientious. Mm-hmm. So I was actually, I read up a bunch about halal type of hunting and what, like, in oh. Islam, they say what you should do. And it's, um, and they say, because, you know, part of halal is that, like, you got to make sure all the blood has left the animal's body. Right. And like I said, usually a gunshot does that, but if you don't feel that way, then you can... Feels kind of weird. I don't know who who your audience is gonna be. I don't want to get too like graphic about how you do it. No, but then
0: it's it's fine. It's just general. I general... guess yeah. You know
1: but uh, yeah, so you can you can do the halal way, which is the way that they um, sac- sacrifice, quote unquote, or they kill animals for halal, yeah. which is to slit yeah, their yeah. throat. So, so that's you could do that in addition to the animal after having it been shot. There's probably a bit of blood that would come out, but usually in the process of So you you open up the chest cavity and the stomach and you pull all of that, the the uh, organs out and by that process usually, uh, like, all the blood is out of the meat. Right. I don't know what uh, I'm answering. I think you asked
0: when I was asking. I I kind of meant like your own personal experience of your first kill because I know you just mentioned it was your father-in-law that did that one. What was sort of your first time like in that way? If you can describe sort of the anticipation building to it as well as sort of. what what sort of what thoughts were going through your mind, or what, what even what happened? If you want to just run us through like a play by play or a step by step.
1: Okay, and so just the on that I think on that first trip that we got the the deer like the the doe with my father in law. I also that was the first time I kind of went hunting where I shot a grouse. So I guess that was my main. It's it's called small game, I guess, versus big game, which are like the bigger animals. It's a little birdie, right? Yeah, it's like a chicken-sized bird, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you and we. I didn't usually you would shoot it with like a shotgun, but we had like a, another kind of another a rifle essentially, and okay. you try to like you have to be pretty good and you shoot its head off essentially, uh-huh. and so the, it would, I kind of felt good because I got it the first try, nice. and then there's like a method to take the, um, to like I guess you could call field dress it like or to you basically just take the breast and the legs and you leave the rest out. So anyways, that was taking my first hunt. But to answer your question, I don't know, I keep like going everywhere. Yeah. But um, it was like maybe the year after I went hunting with him. And then I think that year we, because so the other thing is like you go hunting and you go like multiple days, a lot of times, and you don't either find the animal or you don't get, Uh, You don't find the animal that you want, or you don't get a good shot, or you don't... There's, like, a lot that goes... It's not just, like, oh, I want to get a deer, and you just go in the mountains and get it and come back. Like, a lot of years, a lot of people... I've been really lucky that every year I've been able to fill my tag. A lot of my friends who are hunters don't end up being able to find a deer. Or, like, actually since I've known them, they've never really had any luck. But obviously, I have my father-in-law, and he's kind of, like, he's really... And he's an amazing hunter he's super experienced and we have he has access he knows where the deer are and so on so it's a really like going hunting with him my success rate goes up by like 90 percent, probably
0: right that um, makes sense so yeah so leading into your first kill it was about a year after
1: that first incident with your, your <laughs> you keep bringing dog. me back <laughs> yeah. anyways um i don't it wasn't that it so so the, there was a few days before like i couldn't find the right animal i think I, I ran. We, we ran into some white tail and I, I, I think he kept telling me to shoot because I basically had a good shot, but, like, they were standing, like, they were through, like, all these trees, for one. And also, I didn't notice them. Like, we were going through a gate, so I was, like, I opened the gate, and I was closing the gate, and he had noticed them. So all this time, I was, like, distracted with the gate. I didn't see them. And also, the deer were kind of standing on a hill, like a steep hill facing us. Mm-hmm. And the, and and they were like, like they weren't uh, on the long side or whatever. So they were like, the deer was facing me straight on. And I had like, I didn't really know, like as far as shot placement goes, I didn't really know where to shoot the animal. And I guess right. it was, I was super inexperienced too. So like, I kind of waited, I was waiting for them to move. And they were white-tailed too. So we had like, like I said earlier, like they're a lot more skittish. Yeah. So I didn't get a chance on that one. And then we found, and then the next day, I think we found a mule deer, and we chased it around. It was doing, like, kind of, it kept doing, like, laps around mm-hmm. the field. So, it was, like, this was on the farm, like, because yeah. I guess the, for your first hunt, you kind of go for the easiest thing. Like, we didn't go for, like, the harder deer up the mountain. Mm-hmm. And so, actually, this one, I I think I shot it pretty much in their farm. Like, we, wasn't, we weren't even outside their farm. It was trespassing
0: anyways. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> And it was like, it wasn't very, like maybe it was 50 yards and it was pretty close. Oh, and what did I do? Because the other thing is when I first started, um, Brian, my father-in-law, he's more, he's a really good shot because obviously he has a lot of experience, but also he used to shoot, he, he would shoot them in the head. That was his thing. And it's for <laughs> one, it's like kills them right away, right? It's like, no, but then it's there over the years I've, um been doing a lot more reading and kind of realizing like if you're not very confident with your shot it's not the best to do that because if you miss it it's a lot easier to miss but also like the brain cavity is really tiny compared to like the um the chest cavity which has like you know all the if you get like the liver or the lungs or the heart any of those like that's like i don't know like i don't know five or six times larger if not more a good probability yeah and it's like safer i mean yeah you you pretty much you it's more likely that you get um like with your first shot you'll be able to kill the animal but anyway so i think that was one of my first things trying to think oh where should i shoot at the shot placement and also you get this thing i guess i should mention in this it's called buck fever mm-hmm. where like um you if you've been hunting for a while and then finally you see the animal that you're going to kill your body kind of you have like a um you go into this like zone i guess you could call it i usually do okay like i don't get too nervous or i don't have any like negative um responses i i feel like time slows down a little bit for me like i get i become a lot more focused video game kind of yeah but there's other people who kind of get really jittery or they can't hold they can't like they, their heart's really beating fast or like they have muscle spasms and all these other things that could happen. But I don't particularly remember having that then because it was an easier shot we've been looking for a, for a while. And hunting is like you just kind of look through it and you've, you've obviously, if you're hunting with a rifle, or you have a lot of experience shooting with it. So it's not like a big deal. You just basically point the crosshairs where you want it and you shoot and the animal kind of goes down. Mm-hmm. It's not like the killing part, it's not like it's not like you have to like grab the life thing with, and like do something to it with your right, hands, you
0: know. A sort of struggle of, of yeah, I see what you mean. A balance of life or whatever.
1: But anyway, so yeah, that was my my first one wasn't like that exciting or that interesting to me.
0: Once the let's say one of the deer has been shot and it's sort of, you know, it's it's ended its life. What happens then with, with the body then? What what are the sort of the things that people can use from it um what sort of yeah what, what have you done with it like i know you've done some uh, cooking with it before with the actual meat we've, we've, we've been blessed to have some uh, freshly hunted and shot um uh, meat that you've prepared for us which was really tasty and fresh and i'm just wondering what, what are some of the things that sort of uh, you can do to use the whole sort of use the whole body rather than just you know hunting for sport or whatever
1: right yeah i guess i I could tell you what i do now like again i'm still like learning how to like do it how to yeah improve my practice as much as i can one is like i've been learning about i guess this we're on like um indigenous land so it'd be good to like figure out what the people who used to be like stewards of the land used to do with their kill and what was their protocol slash procedures so i've been So one small thing I do is I have, like, tobacco with me. So after I take the animal, I put tobacco down, which I guess is a way that um, you kind of honor the earth with pretty much anything you take from the forest. So that's, like, one ceremonial thing I try to do after the animal goes down. From a Baha'i perspective or, like, other spiritual perspective, um, before you shoot, you're supposed to say the name of God. It's the same in Islam. Mm -hmm. So I try to make sure I say... That or I say, but then a lot, actually, a lot of those write ups say it's okay if you forget um, and just say it afterwards if you forget, even in, in Islam, which I think it's they count or they take into account people getting buck fever, which at that point, you know, like it's very hard for you to remember what you're supposed to say or supposed to do.
0: Right, you're caught up in the moment a lot.
1: Right, but then I usually like walk up to the animal. If I'm alone, I can have like a moment with it, thank it. And it's pretty much, uh, you kind of with it, usually my shots have been such that the animal has died by the time I pretty much walked up to it, or it's already gone, like it doesn't require a second shot or any other thing. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I kind of like, I try to take a moment just to be with that animal for a bit, before I like jump into, like, dismembering it as it were. Right. But then after that, you, like I said, you do a field dressing, so you kind of prop up the animal and then you open up the chest cavity and the, and the, and you saw the hip bone and the, um, the chest and you, you open it up so you can pull out all the organs. I save depending on, so recently, like I said, like, I don't shoot them in the head. If you shoot them in the head, then you can pretty much take all the organs. If you're a type of person who wants to eat the organs, I usually only save the heart and the liver. Mm-hmm. but you could totally take a lot of the other stuff like kidneys and and even lungs and I think I might do that next year but you also need it's like it, it, each one of those things that you want to do you kind of have to have thought ahead and know like how are you going to how are going to take it and how are you going to keep it clean and where you're going to put it sometimes yeah. and I and, I'm, and I usually do it when I'm at my in-laws so I don't want to you know be too much of a imposition although I often am <laughs> but anyway so I usually just take the heart and Deliver right, and then right. you you kind of discard the rest of the entrails just on over there. And you take the what's left of the animal back, so you usually put it in the back of the um, four by four, bring it down to the farm. So, were you going to ask something for? Well, I, was for gonna say,
0: I was gonna say, approximately, how much does like a mule deer, for example, weigh? Like, as I imagine you can't just carry it over your shoulder unless it's like maybe a really young one, you need like some sort of a do you need like you need, obviously you need a truck and you need some sort of a hoist to get it up there or how, how does that work
1: um you yeah, but if there's two of you so usually i don't i can't i'm not exactly sure i think they weigh anywhere between a 100 and maybe like the really heavy ones are around 200 pounds yeah. right okay um and like i think almost a quarter of that weight is like the organs so once oh. you take that out it's a lot it's a bit lighter Makes sense. um which again and and then later on, once you like butcher it, that also so like the butchered meat that you get is almost a third of the full animal weight. Because then also you once the meat's butchered, the way we butcher deer, we don't leave a lot of the bone in. Okay. So then, so the bones, weight of yeah. the bones is also like almost another third. Right. But um, there's been times like I don't know over, over the years. i when I have buck fever, sometimes the first couple of years, especially when I went hunting by myself. Like, I would see a deer, and I think it's big, and I, sh- and I shoot it, and then get up there and realize it's actually not very big. So it's, some of them have been relatively small enough that I, that I was able to just kind of put over my shoulders and drag around. Uh-huh. Um, the other ones are generally... The biggest deer we got, I remember, it was huge. It was like a horse, and it was hard. To, it, um, uh, my father-in-law and I, both of us, really struggled to get it just like two feet up and push it into the back of the car Mm -hmm. um but there's ways there's actually two years ago I got a deer by myself again and it was like on the heavier side maybe it was like 160 pounds and I was trying to put it on the back of this like Kubota it's like another type of 4x4 but um I realized there's ways you can do it you can get like a shoot what is it called like a clamp like a there's different ways that you could like set up
0: like a, like a police system type thing. Kind of. Yeah. And
1: you can kind of, you can carry it. Or uh, otherwise you could just skin some of it and, and, or take just the hind legs off or whatever, like just start breaking it down there and be able to move it
0: easy to transport. So, so I guess okay. actually
1: people, I'll just quickly jump in. Like the people who go and hunt the way bigger animal, like the moose and elk mm-hmm. usually, they don't have the, especially if you're going like backpacking or going into the bush, then all you can do is, yeah, you break down the animal where it's fallen and then pack it back into your camp piece by piece.
0: Right. And then, so whatever's left behind is sort of left for nature to sort of take care of in terms of whether it's other animals or bugs that can come eat up the, the remains or, and it'll sort of just sort of uh, biodegrade on its own, I guess, over time.
1: Yeah, usually within a day or two, it's gone. Like I've, sometimes I didn't have enough tobacco or whatever. So I've gone back to where it has fallen to honor the animal. Mm-hmm. And then like pretty much everything's gone.
0: The nature already took care of it, basically. Yeah. Okay, cool. I have one final question for you before we end up. I was going to say if someone's interested in getting into hunting or, or learning about hunting, maybe what is what are some of the essential items you might need to sort of have that Um, a successful experience because you did mention you did you need to do a lot of preparation you can't just go out there into the forest with like a gun and like hope for the best and once you've killed something what do you do with it right so what are like Mm. maybe a handful of items that you find are very very useful when you go out and what maybe like a beginner should maybe look into investing and getting some stuff
1: like if i go so okay i'll tell you this because because i have my backpack and there's like a bunch of stuff in there like a game bag to put the animal in after and like different little tools to help along but what I pack with myself when I'm just going on foot on a hike is just my rifle and a, and a knife. And, and then I also have, you don't really need this. You could even get by with just a knife and a rifle, but you, I have like a little tiny um, bone saw too. And okay. with those things, you can, yeah, you can shoot the animal and then cut it open, get the stuff out, which is all you need to do before anything else
0: like even even let's say you're not going hunting but you're just doing like the visual part of it like you're you're trying to stalk maybe i think that's the word that you're stalking right stalking your prey yeah so that's like, one maybe, type of hunting you don't necessarily need your rifle you don't necessarily need like like something to kill the animal but what, what are some certain things sort of that you sort of need just as a survival basics for someone who wants to get into that
1: i guess a lot of it it's, it's gonna sound funny i just talk about it. like probably knowledge like knowing Like even I've been hunting for, I don't know, five, six years now and still like I'm learning so much. And I know so like my knowledge is kind of peculiar just to the area that I hunt at. So there's a lot more to learn. And there's like, you can spend your whole life hunting and learning all these new things. Mm -hmm. About like learning the the land, knowing where to look, which way the wind's blowing, all that stuff, how to track uh, animals, where they would be at this time of day um where would they would be betting all that stuff i think maybe there's like i don't know let's say four different levels to hunting one is like all the prep work you do so like knowing how to do it and like getting all the license being a good shooter all that stuff and then there's like going out there and looking and like finding the animal that's like a whole other thing that's like the second step maybe and then the next step is i guess killing the animal or being able to shoot it and like butchering it and then the last part is like yeah the aftermath of after you get the animal kind of the all the work really starts like the mm-hmm. second half of work of how to process the animal
0: i like that, but that i would makes, say makes sense. yeah the, or the four parts is a, is a cool element to think about
1: yeah I, but as far as gear goes i would say maybe a really good pair of binoculars oh
0: ah, okay yeah there's something yeah
1: i would say like if you're gonna go hunting and spent, because a lot of people it's a very—it's like any other sport, I guess, if you call it hunting a sport. Mm-hmm. Although I have my own views on that, but like, mm-hmm. you can go and yeah, get the gear, you know, get get all the stuff and spend a lot of money. Like, th- people spend thousands and thousands on their guns and all that stuff and on the scope on their guns. I use a very old gun with a super old scope on it, but I don't know. I'm, it works fine for me, what's you know. But
0: what's the name of the gun? Does it have like a like a what's the, like the brand or the model number that like, if people want to know, or people want to look it
1: up. Cause you, you kind of do that. Yeah, it's like a weird guy. I actually wouldn't really recommend the one I have. It was Bonnie's grandpa. So I got it as like, it was handed down to me, which that's part of the reason why I really like it. And it's one I kind of want it. Um, but it's like, it's, it's called the Winchester 88.
0: But yeah. It looks like it's more of a vintage model. It's not, it's not definitely not like a modern type of um, hunting, hunting rifle. It looks definitely like a, an older older model but I, you've always been to the classic vintage stuff so it kind of makes it's very fitting i think it would, it would yeah be, it's pretty old you, to see you sort of using this
1: i think well, mm, bonnie's grandpa bought it in like the in the 50s or the 60s so it's like mm, how old is that original like at least it's like 50, 50 60 years yeah. old and also he didn't really take care of it very much some people are like super into like their guns like keeping a tip-top shape and them and stuff yeah but i think like this gun had probably never had like it's never been cleaned or serviced or anything. It's kind of neat. It's falling apart because of that, but yeah, it's kind of cool.
0: well, be safe, man, like I don't obviously be safe with the gun and make sure you keep it sort of up to code so it doesn't accidentally backfire something on you one day,
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: make sure you do your due diligence, but yeah, I also another to end off what just to double up on what you said earlier, I think getting that knowledge and knowing exactly what you're doing, not just throwing yourself into the situation will really help you long term and and also even try to like just even like accomplish the job like learning what about the types of animals the types of weapons the type of uh force that you're in like all these types of things could could have a lot of uh impact on what you're doing and also i really enjoy that i really appreciate that you that you do the honoring uh ceremony or the ritual i think that's a really cool thing to think about and and appreciating sort of um uh the gift sort of i guess that nature has given you in this way so uh yeah thank you so much man for joining me i think we Mm -hmm. learned a lot, and i think it was a really interesting sort of conversation to talk about the this very specific sort of topic but like being able to sort of talk openly about it it's kind of neat because i don't know there's there's probably some mysticism about it or 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 whatever so preconceived notions maybe is what i meant to say but yeah thanks so much for sharing that stuff
1: my the way that i see hunting and how it's maybe misunderstood like you said there's a lot of people who are like kind of hate on it or whatever yeah. but yeah like the mentality or philosophy that could go into it and like doing it for sustenance and for just like hunting what you're going to eat and like not letting your ego and all these other things come into it but I think that's another conversation
0: yeah for sure anyways thanks so much again what I'll do is I'll play us out with uh, some Licky Lee the song is called Deep End (laughs) and it is the alt version the alternate version so thanks again and uh, bye everybody thanks for listening
1: I hate this part of the song (laughs)